Hey, everybody, and welcome to the very first podcast episode from Bluegrass Soccer Academy. My name is Charlie Hamilton. This is Chris Dunham, and we will be your co-host. So, Chris, I went to you several months ago with this idea for a podcast, and it took a while, but here we are. Yeah, you know, when you brought it up to me, I don't know that we both really bought into the idea of doing a podcast. I think it sounded fun. But when we started sharing ideas, I think we had similar perspectives of how, how to approach this. And I think our ideas have some merit to it. So I look forward to having our conversations and some about the game of soccer, but look forward to it. Yeah, me too. Real quick, a little bit of background for me. I played club, played high school, things like that. Once I got into college and even out of college, I spent a lot of time officiating the game. I officiated for about eight years, never really thought to become a coach until I was walking off the field at Colin Middle School one night after a boys game and their AD approached me and asked me if I was interested in taking over the girls. And so, you know, kind of went in green and and kind of found my way. So that was a lot of fun. Then after a call for two years, I joined you on your staff at Madison Central, where I eventually took over for you when she decided to step away from the game. And then um I, when I left Central, I moved over to our club, to the club side of things, Madison United here in Richmond, and have been doing that ever since for about four years. Yeah, I think our stores are, are a little bit similar. You know, I played soccer since I was five. My dad was actually my coach for a few years of playing. Went and played select when about eight years old. High school, played through as well, but took a different path. Did not play in college right away. Actually got on service, did the need for four years, yeah. and then came back here to Kentucky where I went to Kentucky University. And there I became the coach, player, and president for the men's club team, not collegiate, but learned a lot of the background of coaching there, really my first experience. And then I took a job with a sports facility where I was training kids from 18 months up to about the high school age. So met a lot of great people there, a lot of great networking, had some parents approach me about coaching their kids club team. And so... I joined Musa there and had my first U10 team. Did that for maybe three seasons or three years, actually. And then left that to go to my Central to coach the girls varsity team. Did that for 10 years. Had a great time doing it. Met a lot of great people. And after 10 years, had to walk away from that. And I am now coaching my son's team. He is nine years old. He's also playing select. And so that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, that's awesome. So with Bluegrass Soccer Academy, we have some big goals, big future goals, but we thought the podcast would be a really good place for us to start. And so we just want to give you a quick glimpse into how we view using this podcast and using this stage to talk about soccer. Absolutely. We we want to promote the game. We're big lovers of it. We're passionate about the game. We have our favorite teams. We have our favorite players. And so we want to make sure everybody understands the game as much as we do. We also want to educate. Maybe you're a freshman in high school and want to know how to be recruited. Maybe you're a senior and you've already been recruited and you want some understanding of what to really expect as a collegiate player. Maybe you're a new coach, coaching your son to 16, want to understand some age-appropriate expectations. So players, coaches, we want to talk to parents as well. We want them to be educated, how to deal with coaches, how to also appropriate expectations for their kid. And you know, a six-year-old and an 18-year-old are very different expectations, obviously. So... We want to make sure people have understandings and educate them on the game of soccer for themselves and for their kids. I'm really excited to get started. It's going to be something where we come at the game from a lot of different angles, um, but we want to 
focus more, as Chris said, on the players, you know, on the coaches, on the parent, on even maybe a few officials, and not so much of the X's and O's of the game. So that's kind of going to be our background and our way about this, and let's get started. All right, before we get into our final segment here, Chris, I want to give everybody a real quick glimpse into next week's episode. We are lucky enough to get one of your former players on with this. Olivia Slofford is going to join us next week for a conversation. Talk to us a little bit about what the listeners and viewers can expect to hear. Yeah, so Olivia played for me in high school all four years as a varsity player. She got recruited and played at Southern Indiana University. And so we're going to have a discussion with her about her recruitment process. So maybe these people that are currently in high school can learn what her steps were. We're also going to talk about after the recruitment process, you know, things she dealt with, she, she learned, and also maybe some regrets. You know, if she could go back and do it all over again, what would she do differently? And we're, again, we're going to educate the, the younger players on what they're going to look for when they were trying to recruit themselves. That's awesome. I'm, I'm excited for that portion of the conversation Absolutely. to have her and, and get, you know, somebody who's gone through that process, get her thoughts on there. And I think one thing that we learn as high school coaches is nobody really knows yeah. how, how to go through that process. Definitely it's brand new. We try to give our concepts as well, but you know, when you have somebody that's been through it, I think it's a great learning process. So big soccer tournament coming up. Never heard of it. <laughs> the United States of America have released their 26 million roster. Oh, pumped. I think, I think for the most part. The roster was pretty much what everybody expected. It was I like agree. Thing. But there were a couple surprises that we'll kind of get into. I think maybe the best place for us to start would be what we kind of envisioned the starting 11 to look like. Absolutely. Yeah, um, it sounds like Matt Turner going to be the starting goalkeeper. Which I agree with. Despite, you know, he dealt with some injury issues about midway through the EPL season with Arsenal. Hasn't played a ton recently. Is that concerning you at all? It doesn't. I mean, this performance during Gold Cup qualifying matches, he was spectacular. Yeah. I think we know Zach Steffen was kind of the number one previously, but he also dealt with injuries and has really just now gotten back into the right. flow thing. So for me, I think Matt Turner is the natural choice here. He's much better than Horvath. I think Sean Johnson is a great backup as well, but I'm fully behind Matt Turner. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to skip the back load. I'm going to go to the midfield because I think the midfield is probably the strength of our team. If you had to look at a position group that you felt the most confident in on this team, it would be in that midfield. And I think we're looking at Weston McKinney, Musa, and then Tyler Adams in that in the 4-3-3 that they run. I think that's the strongest field group that they have. They're the workhorse uh, of the squad. I mean, if if they don't control the pace of the game, we're going to get over yeah. You got Tyler Adams that's going to just be, they got the disrupts their offense. Right. McKinney does that a little bit as well, but he's a little bit more attacking side. Yeah. Yeah. Musa is definitely an attacking guy, but I think if they work well together, I, I think we have a great chance of only possession during the game. Yeah. And I think the rest is up to our boards. And, and to balance off that, I think that's really important. I think that possession aspect of this is really underplay because of our forwards. I don't see us scoring six, seven, eight goals a game. I think we're going to have to win games one, two to nothing, two to one. I think you're going to have to win games like that because of that forward group. Of course, there is Christian Pulisic. We know his story. Obviously, uh, everybody knows his story. But outside of him, I was really interested to see who Berhalter brought on, fill those roles, those goal-scoring roles. 
And Harrison, I think are going to be your starters alongside Pulisic, if I had to guess. But where are the goals going to come from if, if it's not Pulisic? That's going to be very interesting. We all know if you don't score goals, you're not winning games. And then you're depending on Pulisic to score all your goals. You're probably going to struggle because your team's like England, yep. maybe even Wales. They're going to focus on taking them out of that game, which we've seen in the past yep. where Pulisic didn't score a lot. I mean, we've uh, seen um, games where Pulisic doesn't even feel like he's on the field at times. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, I agree. Probably Ferreira, your center forward. I think it's going to be between Jordan Morris and Aronson on the other wing. I don't know I'm, I'm for or against either guy there. As far as the backups, I think a guy you want to look out for, Giorino. If he can stay healthy. Yes. If he can I stay healthy. Agree. He is a young, talented individual that is just a playmaker. And if he stays healthy, I think he's going to explode out of the World Cup. couple of names that to go along with that forward group. Again, I think it's I think it's the most important group for the United States. Unfortunately, I think it's our weakest group as well when, when it comes to those starting 11s. But a couple of names that, I mean, you know, in the research and the look and the talk that each year, a couple of names that popped up who didn't make this course squad. The first one was Pepe. Am I saying that right? I think you're correct. Yeah. And he, I don't know a ton about him, but he's all a buzz on the internet. And it sounds like Baraldra just didn't think he was quite ready yet. So I think we all remember him scoring goals during qualifying. Yeah. The issue is that he's struggling in his league. And I think that's got Berhalter concerned. And I, I was surprised that Pepe didn't come on yeah. to our roster. I think he took Haji in front of Pepe, which I think I was a little bit surprised with. When you go to the World Cup, you want guys that are hot. It's yeah. no different than any other sport where you go into the playoffs. Which teams are going to the playoffs hot? Yeah. Which teams are going to the playoffs right. on a fast street? Yeah. And yeah. you go with the guy that's hot, and I think that's why he's going with Haji. And I think Haji's having a better season in his league. And that's kind of the way it goes. You've got to be hot the right time. And Pepe is not hot right now. I think another guy who I think we could argue is hot was, and one of our favorite guys that we talked a lot of time about as FC Cincinnati supporters is Brandon Vasquez. You know, he finished his MLS season with 18 goals, eight assists, kind of was the spark of hurling that run that NC Cincinnati made to their conference semifinals. And I personally was really hoping to see him on the roster. I don't know if I was surprised he wasn't on there, but when I look at the names like your Josh Sargent, those kind of guys, I feel like he could have made a bigger impact than some of these backup players. Yeah, you and I have discussed before. I don't have something against Josh Sargent. I just don't think he's World Cup roster on the five. Yep. I know he plays in the Champions League in, in England, but I agree. Brandon Vasquez would probably be a better performer. He's got incredible size, incredible strength. You need a guy to sit up top and just hold the ball. Yeah. Brandon Vasquez is your guy. I mean, you know, I'm thinking, you know, late in the game, you know, everybody's you know, got a back line that's played 80, 82 minutes, and you can bring a big, strong, physical guy like Brandon Vasquez onto the field in. Maybe he doesn't score a goal, but I think I think he all of a sudden attracts that attention. In a tight game, I think that would be really important. And we talked about, you know, Pepe not being hot at the moment. Vasquez yeah. is on a hot streak. He is, especially this whole season. Yeah. I mean, I think we look back to some of the games. If Vasquez either didn't get an assist or a goal, we probably didn't win oh, that yeah, game. Absolutely. Yeah. And hopefully in the future, he can be looked at. I think he's still relatively young. 
Yeah, I read a uh, I read a quote from him on the Athletic that he basically said that he spoke with Berhalter, and Berhalter admitted that he made that Vasquez play made the decision very tough on him. Sure, uh, but he just didn't think Vasquez was the answer this year. So there it goes. Yeah. All right. So now let's double back to the back line. We're kind of talking. The lock is there. Well, first of all, I think we both agree that the backs line probably going to be the weakness of the team. Absolutely. And no real surprises on who he took. Nope. But I think we both agree Zimmerman is probably going to be the one lot you should almost guarantee. The other positions are pretty much up in the air. Yeah. I mean, you could have a, a, a different back line in every game. Browns. And you, know, you got DeAndre Yedlin. That's not a guaranteed loss. You got Des, that's been back and forth a little bit. Tim Breen, been around for a while. Is he going to stick with experience? Is he going to go somebody young? Right. So there's a lot of fluctuation that Bearhalter has to work with here. We both, again, I think we agree that Des is probably that outside, one of your outside backs, at least in that first game against Wales. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Zimmer, I think Zimmerman is your, one of your center backs for all three games, or as long as you're in play. I agree with that. But I think the biggest question mark and what's going to be real interesting to see is who's going to play that other center back role. Well, it's going to be massive because when you're dealing with a Gareth Bale or an attacking group like England has, they've got to be in sync. I mean, they can be the greatest center backs in the world. If they're not in sync, yep. you're going to get exploited. And I'm going to believe that it could be Aaron Long. They also could be Carter Vickers. They have that Cameron Carter Vickers. And then a lot of talk about Tim. I don't know if I can get behind the Tim Reed. I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I'll be disappointed if Tim Reed starts okay. the game against Wales. It, only because if he's buying into the youthful talent, Tim Reed's not the yeah, guy you're going to yeah, go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's going to be his question. It is in that first game, essentially. You know, you're going to have the nerves. You're going to have sure. those types of things. Mm-hmm. Does, does he lean toward a DeAndre Yedlin and a Kim Ream to, hey, let's just get into the groove of this. Let's just kind of settle down and get into our play here. Right. And then, and then work those younger guys in as they move forward, as, you know, as they get into play. I would be surprised if you see halftime switches at this position. I wouldn't be surprised if you see, you know, and a Robinson at the left back to start the game. And then in the second half, you see a Yetley or, you know, something along those lines. But I think that speaks to the fact that this is your weakest yeah, That It really is. Mainly because of the unknown. Absolutely. No one has been really solid at, at the entire back line. He's had different lineups almost every game over the last year. Right. No one has really been a lot. And right. I think we're saying Zimmerman just because he's just a solid, talented player. Correct. That you feel his guarantee is going to hold his position that. And it kind of goes back to that old saying, old American football saying, when, when you when you say, oh, I have two quarterbacks, it usually means you don't even have one. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think that's where we are with this back line with, I think, if we pulled four or five different people, hey, write down your four out, starting outside, or your four Athlon starters, I think you would get four or five different combinations. Absolutely true. So it'll be it'll be real interesting to see what what he does with that. You know, I I lean more towards uh towards a consistency portion of it. I I think he needs to pick something and go with it. Right. You know, and that's why he's the head coach. He 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 needs to make that decision. 
And I think we kind of talked about how we wouldn't be surprised seeing those switches throughout the game, trying different players at those positions. But I believe he needs, he needs to pick a score and, and go. We agree that the midfield is pretty much set. Yeah. I don't think there's any question who the, the mid three. You know, Felicic is going to be up there. Ferreira will probably be your starter. And then the other outside winger is going to be up in the air. But he's got to get that back line right. He does. Yep. Because if the forwards aren't scoring, Correct. we're struggling to win possession. Yep. And your back line isn't insane. We are not going to win many games. And we, we talk how scoring could be an issue for us at times. And so, yep. you know, you got you to trust that back line to do what they're supposed to do. And and I think that's the biggest question mark for the United States coming to next week. And to, to go back to what we just talked about, we've watched the last couple of friendlies and they really struggled. And I'm sure we've mixed the things up a little bit, but you know, we're at a, a point there when he's doing those friendlies where your guys got to be locked in. Absolutely. And it didn't look locked in. They weren't insane. The possession wasn't there. Frustrating at times. Very, Very frustrating. So I think Bear Halter's life is going to be dependent on whose backline selections. Yep. So with all that being said, let's kind of talk about the expectations for the U.S. team. I think you can find people who think that they should make a run here. I think you find people who think we're not getting out of the group. I think the honest answer is somewhere in between that. For me, I, I think they should get out of the group. When you look at the betting odds, which I do on occasion, then, you know, they're, they're the second highest favorite to get out of that group behind England. I know England struggled a little bit in, in some friendlies last summer and things like that, but I do think England's the team to beat, but I think not getting out of this group for their, the United States, maybe not, not qualifying setbacks like in 2018, but I, I think it would be kind of a gut push to a lot of soccer babies. I'm going to disagree with that. I think if they don't get out of the group stage, it'll be worse. Okay, then not pluck in the World Cup in 18 because of everything that Bear Halter has done. He went full on to this young squad. Youngest and squad in the tournament. Through Gold Cup, through qualifying, he, he sold his soul to play in the squad, which I'm all for. Oh, yeah. And I think if they don't get out of the group stage, I think we're right back to where we were. What has happened? Why are we not qualifying? And it's going to be problems for a great Bear Halter. I also believe that England does have the most talented squad in our group. England struggles in World Cups. They've hey, won tournaments. Very true. Yeah, very and true. they have a lot of pressure that their country puts on them. And all of them can't handle it. So if we go in, we being the United States national team, if we go in, we own possession, we press, we put a lot of opportunities on there. If we win the first game, it doesn't need to be four to nothing. If we win one to nothing, but we handle possession, I'm I'm looking forward to the England game. You know, I saw we play. We've been paired with England twice in World Cup history. We've beaten them both times, which is amazing. So, so which is uh, amazing. So we'll see how how that goes. Again, you know, I think I love the World Cup. It's a lot of fun. It's the greatest tournament. I'm glad it's somewhere where the times are a little better for us. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, for the for us working people, might at 2 o'clock kick off <laughs> might be a little difficult, but but it's definitely better than what we were dealing with with the women's team with you or last over at Viking, but 4 o'clock in the morning to see kickoff. Right. So I'm excited and I'm looking forward to next week. Well, let me ask you this. Roll kill up. Where do you think the U.S. gets to? I think they make the round of 16. 
Okay. I, I think they come in second in their group. I, I just, I know England's history, but I also know the United States history. Right. And I, I think they make the round of 16. And then, you know, when you're the runner up in your group, you're playing somebody, you know, you're playing a winner, you're playing the top of the group. And, and I think that's going to be really, really tough. It's going to be interesting. And I think it's a tale of two coins here. If they go second in their group, they're probably going to play the Netherlands. And yeah. that's going to be a tough game. It will. If they find a way to beat England and take first place, they could play somebody like Ecuador and they have a very solid chance. So are you thinking elite eight? How are you doing here? I can see them making quarterfinals. Okay. I, I really like this talented squad. I think I've seen a lot of great qualifying matches of them dominating great opportunities. And so I think the opportunity is there. If they can handle the pressure once they get out of the group stage, I can see them making some, some things happen. And I think what you said earlier is really interesting. Everybody is focusing on the United States versus England for obvious reasons. Yep. I don't think that's the United States big match. It's not. I think I agree. you come away with six points against Wales and Iran. You're in. You're in. 100%. If you show up Monday against Wales and you tie 0, zero or 1-1, one, one, and I think you're in a little bit of trouble. You know, you set yourself behind yes. the, the group and, and then it becomes real interesting. Yes. First match matters. Yeah. And I'm glad we're not playing England. Or maybe we should be playing England. Yeah. You come in fired yeah. up for a yeah. game like yeah. England, but looking down the road at that. And yeah, Wales is not going to be a team that's going to be pushed over, yeah. even though they were first ones in. They had a very interesting path. It was a long road for them. Yeah. So yeah. Long road. Yeah. They, Gareth Bale, yeah, absolutely. Can cause a lot of problems. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, talking about Gareth, no, I think you're going to have to do what teams do to Polish times. I, I think take him out of the game. Don't let him be the one that beats you. Agreed. And then if you, if you get beat anyway, you can kind of deal with it. 100%. Yes. All right. Well, today's been a lot of fun. Thanks for joining the Bluegrass Soccer Academy for today's episode. And we'll see you next time.